Amen. Hey, uh, we typically at this point say stay standing for the reading of God's word. I'm going to give you a heads up, okay? Please stay standing. We are going to read a whole chapter of John this morning. Come on, Rick. Um, so if you feel like you cannot stand or are not able to stand with us, please don't feel um, obligated to do that. Um, but we would love for you to remain standing as we read God's word together um, from John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, we have some black Bibles in the seats in front of you, um, unless you're on the front row, then they're in the seats behind you. Um, and it's on page, we'll be on page 901 in those black Bibles that are in the seats. Um, so John chapter 14, you ready, Rick? Here you go. There, that's better. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to them, Have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? 
Jesus answered him, Anyone who loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that is said to you. Peace I will leave you, my peace I will give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Amen. This is the reading of God's Word. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your Word, um, for the words that you've given us um, through your Spirit. Um, Lord, thank you for sending your Son um, to teach us. And Lord, as you loved us so much, would you remind us of that this morning? would help us to lean in close to what you have to say to us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. We pray. Amen. All right, now you can be seated. Thank you for standing uh, for a lot longer than we normally stand for that time. Um, but it's so good, I think, when the people of God stand for the reading of God's word. Um, heads up, we're not going to be tackling the entire book of John, or the entire chapter of John 14 this morning. So you can, you can take a breath, Okay. Uh, but I, I thought it'd be very, very good for us to see what's going on contextually here um, in this chapter. Actually, next week, we're going to be sticking really close. Next week, Jordan's going to be preaching in John chapter 15. Um, I'm not sure if we're reading the entire chapter next week. He said no. Um, so you can go ahead and just take a breath for that as well. Um, but John chapter 14, thank you for reading that. Uh, we're going to be specifically, we're going we're gonna to look at several things in here, but we're going to look specifically and focus in on verses 25 through 27. So if you want to put your eyes on there, um, that's what we'll be this morning. Um, I don't know how many of you have kids, or I know a lot of you have kids, um, or how close a lot of you are with uh, maybe grandchildren or siblings or things like that. Um, something I'm, I'm realizing as we're raising two boys right now um, especially with one that's four years old, um, I'm sorry, four and a half years old, um, that there's a lot of hard questions, a lot of fun questions, but a lot of hard questions that come with raising little kids. Um, and a lot of you can probably nod your head to that um, and, and attest to the same. Um, let, me, let me give you some examples. So uh, even this morning, Asher, my four-year-old son, comes up early with me and, and all morning long, Dad, can I have a sucker? Dad, can I have a sucker? That's an easy one. No, you may not have a sucker right now. Maybe later. Uh, that's an easy one to answer. Uh, but there's, there's also some like really, really tough questions. Some, some things like when we're driving and Asher sees the sun and he says, Dad, how is the sun moving over us? It's moving over. So actually, son, we're actually going around the sun. We're going around it. Oh, why does the sun rise then? 
okay, this is going to be a longer car ride than I expected. Um, just trying to explain all these things. Maybe you've experienced some of these harder questions um, that, that kids or adults even, you know, we have some hard questions. Uh, one, of, one of the questions uh, recently that Asher came to the table, we we're just sitting around the table, and I forget how we got on the topic, but Asher looked at his mom, my wife Courtney, and he, he, said, he said, Mom, will I one day not see you? What, what, what's going to happen when you die? Now, hold on. Hold on to that feeling that you just got, okay? Parents, siblings, people, I saw it in your faces, okay? Hold on to that feeling. That, oh, ugh. That one's a tough one, right? It can be a tough one, at least to explain to a child sometimes. Although they may take it at face value and hopefully they take the truth that you give you and they walk away assured, right? But there's some tough questions that we, we, we face that kids ask, that people ask, some really, really tough questions. And that feeling you just got of, oh, that's a, that's a tough one. I can, I can relate to that. I can feel that. I at least feel for him some of these tough questions. That's what I really want us to lean into this morning with these disciples. I want us as, as much as possible, as much as possible to really feel what these disciples are feeling and talking about and what's going on right here at this table. They're at the Lord's Supper here. They're, at, they're, they're eating a meal together like in, in, in a small way that we'll experience in a minute. They're around the table. They're all together in the upper room. And, and Jesus, Jesus starts, starts telling them these things. But these men, think about this for a minute. These men have been walking with this friend, uh, their teacher, their Lord, for a long, long time now, for several years probably. And they've come to completely rely on him. They're putting their faith in him, following him when, when others have left. They're sticking around. They're sticking around when his teachings become really, really hard and, and, and really difficult to understand. These are the ones that have stuck around with him. And they're deeply, deeply committed to him. In fact, Peter, um, in the chapter right before it says, Lord, I'll lay down my life for you. And then Jesus says, well, no, you're actually gonna deny me. But this is how committed that his followers are. Peter says, I'm gonna lay down my life for you. This is how much they've come to rely on him. This is how committed they are and how much they love this man, not just because he's a friend, but because they realize who he is as being their Lord and Savior, the Messiah. And now Jesus, their friend, their teacher, their leader, their Messiah, their hope, is telling them that he will no longer be with them. He actually says that. And, and, and in fact, he says, you can't go where I'm going. Well, I'm about to leave you. I'll leave you soon, and you can't go where I'm going. Okay, do you start to feel a little bit of what they're feeling here? Can you imagine how these guys must have felt? We actually can in, in verse 26, where we're gonna be at, um, and... Uh, earlier in the chapter in, in 14.1, Jesus himself puts it into words and he says that their hearts were troubled and fearful. And their troubled hearts had, had so many questions. So many questions. Questions like, how, how can we, Jesus, how can we know where you're going? We, we don't even know where it is you're going. We don't know. We don't know where you're going. And, and Another one says, please, would you just show us the Father? 
know, that would be enough for us. Just show us the Father, please. Just show us the Father. And another one says, you know, you're saying some, some odd things. How, how or why would you manifest yourself to us and, and not to other people? And, and in their anxiety and their fear and their trouble, they start welling up with all these questions. You know, why, 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 why this? We just need, we need to understand. We need to know what's going on here, Jesus. We don't want you to go. If you're gonna go, we need to know these things. We don't understand. And a panic, it feels like, starts to settle in on them. Their hearts were troubled at this news, the news of their Messiah and friend leaving and in not fully understanding what was going on and maybe even feeling abandoned by Jesus. But it's not like Jesus didn't have answers for them, right? You read back through this text and Jesus has answers for each of them. He said, he said I, I, I told you the way, I told you where I'm going and I actually have shown you like I am the way. I'm the truth, I'm the life. You know, no man comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, you know to where I'm going and you know the way. He's, he, says, he says that I have, I've, showed, I've shown you the Father because you've seen me. I've shown you, I've given you these answers. I've, I've been here with you, you've experienced this. And he showed them, hey, here's how you follow my commandments. Here's how you love one another. He's shown them, he's given them all these answers. They weren't lacking and answers to his teaching. So why were they so troubled? Why were their hearts so troubled within them? You know, Jesus saw, Jesus saw their hearts. He saw their troubled hearts and he actually knew, he knew exactly what their need was and what the cause was. And he tells his disciples this, hey, in an answer to your troubled hearts, your fearfulness, Dear children, believe in me. Believe in God, believe in me also. That's 14.1, he starts off with that. Believe in me. Now, do you think, church, that the disciples, these guys who have been with Jesus for so long, who have stuck around, do you think that they actually didn't believe in him? Do you think that their, that their belief would, was just struck down right here? Of, of believing who he is, believing his teachings. Do you think that was actually the case, that they didn't believe and put their faith in God? Do you think, do you think these guys would have, would have dropped their nets? Uh, do you think they would have left their work? Do you think they would have, some of them, uh, stepped away from their, from their livelihood? Do you think um, they would have uh, traveled alongside Jesus? Do you think they would have, have lived with him and among him in hard situations for so long if they didn't believe? after witnessing everything that they saw him do, after seeing healings, seeing miracles, crazy things happen, right? Crazy, crazy things, people being brought back from the dead, people being healed from blindness, from lameness, from birth, and Jesus just tells them to get up and walk. After witnessing all these things, after hearing teachings that are actually life-changing teachings, the things that they've been looking for all their life, do you think after being with Jesus for so long and experiencing all these things, do you think it was actually no belief present in their lives? Well, I, I think we have to say, of course not. <laughs> of course these, these guys believed. Of course when they saw these miracles and they stuck around and they've been with them for so long and they've, they've experienced so much, of course they believed in Jesus. So why was Jesus' answer for their troubled hearts believe? I think it's this. I think it's because when they began to fear their belief wasn't gone, but it was challenged. It was absolutely challenged that when this little bit of fear and troubledness comes into their hearts that 
their belief was actually put to the test here. When Jesus begins to lay down the news of his going and to prepare a place for him, for them, so that he can obey the Father and, and show the world that he loves them and, and do what he came to do. The, when, he, when he talks about leaving, the, suddenly the assurance of their hearts that they had and for their future and for their hope, they, be, they begin to be questioned in their hearts. Do you get that? When, when assurance isn't always assured or whenever you feel like your faith is, is, is breaking down a little bit sometimes. I think that's the case for all of us in our walk with Jesus. If you're a believer, you, may, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's the case for all of us. There's times when, when, we're, when we're so strong in our beliefs. Hey, there's been times where I could, I feel like I can just take on anything in the world because of my faith in Christ. I feel like I'm strong and I can help my brother and my sister because my faith is strong at, at times. But there's also times when the fear of things come in, when the fear of the unknown creeps into our hearts. You know what I'm talking about? We don't know what's gonna happen and little bits of fear start to creep in and, and little seeds of, of doubt begin to take root inside of us. Have you experienced that before? Do you know what I'm talking about? Hey, there's, there's times that cause us to question if everything we know and everything we've been told about Jesus is even true. People question us in that and challenge us in that often. The world throws those questions at us all the time. When we question if faith in Christ is, is really enough, is it really enough? Just faith alone in Christ, is that enough? When difficult situations arise in our lives and we have trouble actually believing in the promises that God has for us. Believers, this is what every believer faces at some point. You're not alone in this if you felt this. But whatever the situations are, whatever's, whatever, whatever the cause is for the questioning of the promise and the truths of Jesus, our belief and our faith is tried and the result is for our hearts to become deeply troubled within us. We, we, we feel this, the disciples felt this, but Jesus, oh man, Jesus being who Jesus is, looks at these disciples and he, and he looks at their troubled hearts. And he lovingly reassures them, hey, you don't have to be afraid. Your hearts don't have to be troubled. Believe in me. Put your faith in me. Now saying that is, and just reading that is, is is hard to believe sometimes. Is that all it takes? But what Jesus does next here is really incredible. It's amazing. Jesus says, put your faith in me. Oh, and, and since you have trouble believing, and since I know you'll have trouble believing, because I know you, and I know your heart, I'm gonna give you what you need in order to help you believe. And what a wonderful and loving gift that Jesus now gives to his disciples and also to all believers who put their faith in him. You know what it is? It's right on the pages in front of us. We'll see it here in just a second. Read with me here in, in 26. It says, but the helper, 
the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Hey, don't, don't just skim over that. Let that sink in for a second. A helper to help us in our unbelief, to help us in many, many things. Now, I, hey, I hope this passage doesn't just, you know, cause many of us or many, many of you to start feeling a little bit uncomfortable uh, when we start to talk about the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, when we start to talk about the, the Holy Spirit, I don't know the upbringing of everyone in here, what your background is and your knowledge and your theology of the Holy Spirit is, but, but well, let me tell you this. Hey, for a long time, in my own walk, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit was kind of that thing that was on the side. Like, I, I grew up believing and, and talking about and studying much, many, many times and throughout my life about God, God the Father. Man, we study about God the Father. We know that he sent the Son. It's good. God the Father created everything. And he, really, the Trinity created everything. But God the Father, we really focus on God the Father a lot, and it's good. And I know about Jesus. I know, I know Jesus. Jesus is my Savior. And that's good. But, but oftentimes, growing up, this is me, may not be for you, but for me, I just, it, it, the Holy Spirit was kind of this, this little thing on the side. It's like, wow, that's a little confusing and to be honest, a little intimidating to talk and think about sometimes. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand if that's you, um, but I bet there's at least some other people in here that the, the topic of the Holy Spirit was like a, a little bit of an intimidating subject to, to come in and, and think about and talk about um, because there's a lot of things that seem a little strange when we, when we look what the Holy Spirit is, he's a little bit strange to, 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 our, to our knowledge and understanding of what actually he does sometimes. And can I be honest with you, I'm, I'm actually, and don't tell anybody this, okay? I'm still learning more about the Holy Spirit and what he does. I don't know everything about the Holy Spirit. We're still studying, we're still learning, we're still learning to trust actually who the Holy Spirit is in a lot of ways. Still learning in that. So before we start, maybe getting a little uncomfortable in our seats about this. Uh, can I encourage you with this truth that Jesus himself gives us about the Spirit? This is Jesus speaking about his Spirit here. Whether you know or acknowledge him or not, the Holy Spirit of God lives and dwells not only among us in the world, but he dwells within those who have put their faith in Jesus. He dwells within us. Don't miss that, believer. The Holy Spirit actually dwells within you. So I don't think we necessarily need to be intimidated by him whenever God himself has put his spirit within us. And there's so much that he does for us. There's so much that the spirit does in and through us. So many things uh, that we actually don't even have time to talk about about today, but right now, what I want us to look at and what we will look at are these things in this passage that Jesus promises his spirit will do inside of his followers. Jesus promises to his disciples that the spirit or the helper, or in some translations, he talks about, he, he's called the comforter, the, the one who comforts, as it says in verse 17. This spirit that Jesus gives to disciples will teach them all things and he will bring to remembrance all that Jesus 
has said to them. So in the midst of their, their, their wondering and their lack of understanding and their questioning and their fear, Jesus says, I'm gonna give you a helper for that. You don't have to be afraid. I'm gonna give you a helper, not only to live among you, but to live inside of you and to dwell within you. Hey, I see you nodding your heads, but do you realize what that actually is? The spirit dwelling within us? Is this not the most generous and merciful gift that God could give to those who love him? For his people, for his disciples, you and I who are troubled in our hearts, he sends a comforter. For his people who have trouble remembering all that he said, he says, I'm gonna send one to remind you. For his people who have trouble understanding why he does and commands and says the things that he does, he sends a spirit to teach us. And when his people have difficulty always believing in him, the Holy Spirit of God helps us to believe in our unbelief. He helps us. He encourages us. He reminds us of the truths of who God is. Believer in your understanding, you, in your lack of understanding, in your unbelief sometimes, in your difficult, troubled times, the Spirit is dwelling within you to do the work of God in you. This is huge. This is miraculous. I mean, this is, a, this is a supernatural thing. I hope you see that. This is a supernatural thing, and, it, and it's, a, it's a gift of a, from a God who, who greatly loves us, who's promised never to leave us or forsake us. This is God not and never abandoning us as orphans but making good on his promises, just like he always does. And I hope we don't take this for granted, you know? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, I hope we, I hope we don't just take this promise for granted and, and, and maybe even just treat the Holy Spirit like this little bonus thing that we get when we're saved. Like, yeah, now we have the Holy Spirit, and we do. But I hope we lean into the, the significance of that for us in our walk and our belief of who the Holy Spirit is. This reality, Christian believer, this reality of God's spirit in us actually makes us walking, breathing proof of a living God because he lives and dwells within us. A God who cares deeply for the hearts of his children. And the result of the Holy Spirit, hey, catch this, the result of the Holy Spirit living within us, which is certain, this, this result is certainly not disconnected from the sending of the Spirit. It's, it's actually a fruit of the Spirit. The result is what Jesus gives his disciples. And Jesus recognizes. He recognizes the true and greatest need that they have and gives them peace for their troubled hearts and a full assurance in him. Maybe you desire that. Man, I desire that. Peace in my life. Peace among trouble and, and turmoil. Like I, 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 hope, I hope you feel that too. I think we should all desire a peace within us, a peace that passes all understanding. 
And Jesus, when he talks about this, he makes it very, very clear. Because I know we can look for peace in all sorts of areas. We can, we can try to create peace. We can try to look for peace in all, all sorts of things. But Jesus makes it very clear here. This is not a normal peace that I'm giving you, believer, disciples, ones that I love. This is not just one that you might go looking for down the street. It's not one that the world can offer you. He makes it very, very clear. The peace that the world offers is one with little assurance, Christian. Or at least when assurance is promised, it actually just falls short for us every single time. Or only lasts a few minutes. It's not a lasting peace. Think about all the ways that you've seen or, or, or been offered peace in this world, you know? Some, some of the things that come to my mind, you know, if, if you can just gain enough financial security, that's when you'll find peace. Financial security, man, that's just gonna give you peace beyond belief until you need more money, <laughs> right? There's not peace in, in financial security. If, if you can attain the highest thinking and intellect, peace will come to you. Just, just be able to think higher than anybody else and try to understand these things in a higher way. That's where you'll find peace, right? No. Hey, if you can, instead of you know, gaining higher thoughts, if you can actually just empty your mind, if you can just flood everything out and just be at peace, just forget about everything in the world and just sit there and meditate, you'll find peace. Hey, Christian, that's not where we find peace. If you can conquer your problems with force, right? If you can conquer your problems with force, then, then there will be peace, right? Hey, in this time, this was actually happening. You know, uh, someone mentioned, I think it was Chris, in our, in our study on Wednesday, this was the time there, or around the time where, where the Romans were coming in and saying, we're gonna bring the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. But how did that peace come? With the sword and conquering hey, that's not gonna bring it lasting peace. Have any of these ever been true or given lasting peace? Or is there always some kind of footnote of fear and anxiety that goes along with them? A peace that the world gives cannot give us the assurance that we need because they deal only with the momentary, the momentary afflictions and may sometimes only act as a band-aid for the gaping wounds that our hearts have. This is what the world can offer. But, but the peace of Jesus is different. The peace of Jesus, the, the peace that he gives us is a peace that can handle both the momentary afflictions of today the momentary fears, the anxiety that we may experience of today, but also for eternity. Do you realize that? The peace that he gives us is for today, but far transcends what's going on right now. This is the peace that Jesus gives us. It's through his death and his resurrection and the atoning work that he has done and surrender and sacrifice for us that we have peace. I kind of tell you, Jesus actually took away our reason for fear of death, for what happens beyond eternity, or what happens beyond death in eternity. He, took, he actually takes that away from, from us when he died on the cross, and he actually gives us peace through the blood that he shed for us on the cross. 
And because he actually rose from the dead, we can now have new life and assurance in him, not only then, but today. Believer, you can have, we do have peace and assurance today because of what Christ has done on the cross for today and for eternity. This is what his peace is. Now, I, you know, I don't want to turn a blind eye to, I don't want to turn a blind eye to the times when it feels like the world is crashing down because we still experience that, right? We, even though we know that our eternity is set and there's full assurance, it still sometimes feels like the world is crashing down around us, right? It still feels sometimes that, that everything's just spiraling out, spiraling out of control. When it may, you may feel completely crippled by fear. I've heard some of your stories. I've heard my own story of when I've been crippled by fear. When there's conflict within ourselves, when there's conflict with others, and when we encounter the conflicts that the world brings us. We don't, but I don't want to turn a blind eye to that. And can I tell you that we actually don't have to turn a blind eye to those we shouldn't turn a blind eye to those because the peace of Christ doesn't ignore world-given tribulations. It, it isn't simply an ignorant bliss within us, okay? When we talk about the peace of Christ, it's not, I, I can forget about everything in the world because the world's still present. We're still in the world, right, believers? We still face heartaches, tribulations, and fear. Rather, Jesus gives us a reason for peace in the midst of them. He tells his disciples just a, just a couple chapters later, if you flip over to chapter 16, at the very, very end in verse 33, he says, in the world you will have tribulation, believer, disciples. You will have tribulation. Well, that stinks. I don't wanna hear that, Jesus. But he follows it up with, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In Ephesians, we see uh, there's, there's, there's these people groups. It talks about people groups that should be in conflict with one another. People that just don't jive together. You know, there's, there's, there's races, there's, there's differences in culture. There's all these different differences that are happening. And when we look in Ephesians, we can actually see in these differing people groups and in this conflict that they find unity together in the spirit of God and are bound together by the peace that Christ gives them. So it not only does something within us, but it actually does something among us. That's what the peace of Christ does in binding his people together. In the book of Acts, um, at the time of the first church, and if you look in Acts chapter nine, um, in verse 31, it says this. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and it was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. How do, you, do you know what the context is of that, what's going on right there in that chapter? This is the beginning of the, the first church in this time period where, where believers are being thrown into prison because they're followers of Christ, where death threats are being made on believers because of what's going on. They were scattered alone at some points, facing persecution. And what did they have in the middle of all this? 
They had peace. And in walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, there was multiplication. Do you see the contrast? Not a fear of the unknown that that causes hearts to be troubled, but a righteous fear of the Lord and a comfort in the Holy Spirit of God. This is the peace of Jesus. This is the work of the Holy Spirit of God and the powerful peace that Jesus has inside of his people. Peace that not only comes from, from Jesus, but resides in him. And because the Holy Spirit actually now resides in us, we not only experience peace, but peace actually dwells within us. It's not something we have to go looking for or create. It's present, even now. So church, followers of Jesus, don't fight against this peace. Don't go looking for other places to find peace. Don't fight against believing in Christ alone for every question that hits us square in the face. Whether fear or struggle and desires, that desires that, that fear and, and, and struggles desire to have in your heart to trouble you. Whatever it is, peace in Christ alone can handle it. So believe in God, Christian. Believe in Jesus. Trust the Spirit for the peace we need today and to have for eternity. Amen? It's present and dwelling within us. A good and holy God who loves his people so much that he doesn't abandon them, but is always present with them for eternity. Isn't that something good to believe in? That's the hope that we have, the peace that we have in Christ alone. Let's believe it and see the power that it has within our lives to do transformational things. Father, thank you so much that you give us your word and thank you for the peace. And, and Father, so much more that we could, we could learn about this and we desire to learn about this. But right here and knowing that you have given us your spirit, that you've given us your peace, Father, it's enough. It's enough for our hearts to believe right now. And, and Lord, as we desire to know more about you, as we desire to trust you fully and in every way, Father, we, we pray that we would believe you. We pray that the Spirit would continue to teach us. The Spirit would still help us understand all these things that we don't. And in so having peace, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you, Spirit, for all the work that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen.